Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. How are you? Y'all happy? Yes. Get one day without rain. How about that? <laughs> Glory to God. Well, I have uh, good news and, and bad news. This is what you want first. Hmm? I mean, I want the good news first. Well, the good news is that when this life is over, however it's over through the rapture, or we leave this life from, from here to the grave, as a believer, it's just all good news. Amen. Right? right? To be absent from our bodies, to be present with the Lord. Amen. Paul said this not even better. He said it's far better. The sad news is Miss Debbie Billings went to be with the Lord Friday at 6.30. And a very dear friend of ours, pastor from Tuscaloosa. And she fought a good fight. And uh, she really hadn't been... Uh, kind of in a coma state for several days and she was in no pain whatsoever and uh, <clears throat> with her family and I was with him a few hours when he made the decision to, to end the process because probably I won't do a series on this because I can't pull the scriptures for it but uh, you ever been with someone and you, you have to get this spiritually otherwise you wouldn't, you wouldn't compute here they're there but they're not there there's the body and when the machine does, is doing everything, and without the machine, there's no activity of the body, uh, I believe it's very possible that she probably exited her body a day or two before that. Amen. So <clears throat> there's nothing sad on her part, but it is challenging and difficult for the family uh, that's left here. So uh, she run her course, it's way too short, but uh, she did probably more in her life than some people drag around and do for 80, 90 years. And uh, if you're interested in uh, the services, that will be Wednesday at, uh, in Tuscaloosa at, uh, well, you can see us. I, I don't remember the name of the, the uh, funeral home. I'll be doing the service or, or the, the main part of it, I guess. But uh, 1 o'clock visitation, 2 o'clock the funeral in Tuscaloosa. And, if, and I'm sure they would be glad to see you and appreciate your support. Now, if you will, pray for the family. They're having church this morning. I'm, that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, the youngest son, Eric's doing it. And he's moving away the next week to go to Atlanta for three years. So really all the buildings will be gone except for one. So that's just a, a difficult time, but the grace of God is always sufficient. How about that? Amen. Well, our, our goal and our plan and, and the plan of God is always to move forward. Amen. Well, on another note, can I read you a scripture? Y'all yes, not against scripture, are you? Anyone against scripture? Wave your hand so I can deal with you real quick. No, no, it's good. <laughs> Psalms 100 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Make a what kind of noise? Joyful. To who? Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say, Listen up, he's talking to you. <laughs> Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness, Gladness and come before his presence with sign. Oh, no, singing. Oh, right? Not supposed to be a sign. You're supposed to be a singing. You got a song? 
huh? I'm not talking about Led Zeppelin. I'm talking about, do you have a song? <laughs> ACDC, all that kind of, you know, you know. It says, know that the Lord, he is who? It is he who made you. You say, well, I thought that was mom and daddy's doings. No, not really. It says, it is he that made us, and we are, we did not make ourselves. How about that? Could you imagine if we made us? And that's the problem we have today is people trying to take over after we've been made. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. So he tells us to enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. Anyone thankful? Yes. Coming to his courts, how? And be what? That's if, that's if everything's working okay in your life. I, I, I know he meant to put that in there. They just didn't have enough room to put in this little short song. Huh? Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting in truth to all generations. You know, the 34th Psalm says it another way. Just a small part of that. Uh, 30, Psalms 34, one said, I will bless the Lord always. There, of course, it meant to infer if things are okay with you right now. There's no problems on the horizon, right? I bless the Lord when? His praise shall what? Oh, oh, soul shall make her, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Humble shall thereof and be what? Glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You know, that's, that's the part of it right there. It's where, where's your focus today? Magnify the Lord. What does a magnifying glass do? Makes things what? Does it actually make it bigger or larger? But it looks bigger. Right? Can you put a magnifying glass on God and change his shape or size? No. But to us, looking through the glass, magnifying him, we see things bigger than we saw them before that, right? So whatever your problem is, God's not scared or scared. How about that? Huh? You're trying to figure a way to fix it. He knows 10,000. He ain't thought about it yet. Huh? He's been doing people for a long time. There's somewhere around 7 billion people on the planet. But every generation, there's more that come, more that leave, right? So this people thing, he's not, he's not new to. It definitely would not be his first rodeo. So you don't have anything. <clears throat> I'm sorry if this takes this away from you, but I'll, I'm going to tug on the pacifier if I have to just a little bit this morning. There's nothing you're dealing with. Paul said in the book of Corinthians, there's no temptation. There's no situation you're dealing with that's not common to some, someone in mankind who's either on the earth or been on the earth. So what you're dealing with is not unique. It's unique to you and it's different to you and it may not be comfortable to you, but it's not, uh, it's not a mystery to God. God's like, wow, how are we going to deal with this? You pray and he, he can't answer because he doesn't know himself. So he has to go and huddle up and get up with the plan. He say, Jesus, Holy Ghost. Then they come out there and call the plan 18, 4, 7, 36. No, that's not, that's not it. I mean, there's never been a uh-oh, God, no, oh, moment for God, like, uh-oh. Huh? What you're dealing with right now is a surprise to you. It's not a surprise to him. He knows what you will have to eat on November the 6th, this year and next year. Have you thought that far? No. So he's already been there. The book of Psalms says when the children of Israel got to the Red Sea, 
And they found out that Pharaoh was behind them. They noticed that there's a sea in front of them. They noticed there's a mountain to the left and to the right. And there's someone behind them who's definitely going to kill them. That looks like trapped. But the scripture says what no one knew, Pharaoh, nor Moses, nor the children of Israel, that God went ahead of, ahead of the whole bunch, went ahead of Moses. One translation said God, he marked a line that no man could see where he would split the Red Sea. And if I could put it in building or carpenter's terms, he went there and he popped a chalk line in water. I don't know how you do that. It stuck and he knew exactly where they was going to cross before they ever got there. God's already been in here today before you ever got here. So he's not overwhelmed. Hmm? So that's why we put our trust in the Bible says trust in the Lord and don't trust in your understanding because you don't understand. All you see is what you see. So when you don't have the big picture, you know, the, the guy in the radio tower, he knows where all the planes is. So when he tells you, they said, can we elevate to 30,000 feet? Well, look, maybe you may look around if you're the pilot. It looks like you can, but he knows who's around you. So he's not saying, not yet. You say, well, I don't see anything out there. Well, that's just it. You don't see anything, but he sees all of it. So he navigates you through whatever it has to navigate you through to get you to a safe place. Right? So we're going to put our trust in the Lord and uh, instead of put our trust in us. And it'll always work better that way. Uh, Matthew 14, if you will. Matthew 14. We're going to start a new series today. I don't, uh, I don't generally name things, but I guess I will. Or I'll let you pick a name, whatever you want to name it. <clears throat> I was talking with a friend of mine last night, and, and he said, well, I got this. I got this, a couple of thoughts, but I'm not sure when I'm going to minister tomorrow. He said, but you know how that goes. I said, yeah. I said, well, for me, I'd rather have the body of, the, of what we're going to do than I had the title. Would you? How many would rather have the body of the, if it's a sermon, how many would rather have the body of it than you have the title? What if you get stuck with the title but nothing go with it? <laughs> That makes for a really short service, doesn't it? <laughs> In other words, the, uh, the sermon is uh, be encouraged. And, yes. and uh, well, uh, and that's what we all we have, so goodbye. <laughs> now, but we're, <clears throat> we're going to talk about uh, walking on water. We're going to talk about getting out of the boat. We're going to pull on the pacifier just a little bit. We're going to talk about going to the other side. Huh? And uh, that sounds exciting, but it's not as exciting as you think sometimes because we're going to have to see ourselves in this story uh, where Jesus gave a command to his disciples and they were all in a boat and then trouble arose. Have you ever started off to do something that you wanted to do? Have you ever started off to do something that you felt God was leading you to do and you ran into trouble? Are you breathing? Then the answer was yes. Are you all here? Okay, so Matthew 14, and I guess we'll start in verse 22, says straightway, verse 22, straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples. Now, let me get to a note here because I looked this up. Uh, I'll make sure I get this right. Different translations on that word straightway. It said he, he uh, constrained his disciples to get in the boat to go to the other side. 
Uh, most translations, you know, there's several translations you can read, uh, use the word made. He made them do it. Uh, several translations said he insisted them to get in the boat and go to the other side. So here it says Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him. Now, what is the instructions to go where? To the other side, while he sent the multitude that he's preaching away. Now, the multitude, what happened just before then, Jesus had fed uh, thousands with a, with a uh, basically what we call a three-piece fish dinner, or a two-piece fish dinner. He had five loaves and two fish. Remember that? And he fed probably upwards of women and children, upwards of 10, 15,000 people. And so he says, get in the boat, go to the other side. And he said, and I'm going to send the multitude away. All right, now we're, we're in verse 23. And when he sent the multitude away, he, Jesus, went up to the mountain to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. And the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And it was. Uh, this, this lake right here, really what it is is a lake, if you research it out, it's only about 13 miles long or wide. But they come across a great storm, so they, wasn't making, they weren't making time. And uh, it says, in the fourth watch of the night, it said, Jesus w went into them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him coming on the sea, they, they were troubled, saying, it's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me come to thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, here's the part of the story that everyone knows about this, about Peter walking on the water, which is amazing. And then we know he didn't, and then we know that Jesus rescued him. That's what we know out of this story. But there's so much in here to unpack. And it says, and when Peter saw him, he said, uh, Peter answered and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come or allow me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus said, well, I don't know if it's my will. No, I'm sorry, he didn't. So that's, that was the church down the street. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O oh, you of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? So I, I want to take a little bit of time and let this thing just kind of, uh, like I say, just kind of unpack these verses because I think this, they, uh, there's a lot in here that applies to our life. You know, to, to me, uh, you can approach the Bible, you know, whether you're studying yourself or whether you're in church and you're listening to a teaching or a sermon or whatever you want to say. To me, if it's not applicable to, to today, then we're just talking about history. And that wasn't one of my favorite subjects. It has become a favorite subject, but in school as a kid, it wasn't my favorite subject. I didn't want to know about yesterday. I want to know what we're going to do today, what we're going to do tomorrow. And I'm still interested in that. But history always has a way to repeat itself. When you, whether you're studying U.S. history or world history, here's what we know that every 30 to 40 years, uh, history does have a way to repeat itself because people are very predictable. And the devil is always the devil and God's always God. And the devil has nothing new. The only thing he ever does is the thing he's always done and the only thing he'll ever do. And that is he goes to deceive, cause you to think something, believe something that simply is not the truth. He can make it look like the truth, present it as truth, but it's not truth. Jesus said the devil, Satan, the serpent, 
old Slewfoot, goofball, whatever you want to call him. He said he is the father of lies. In other words, he is a liar, liar, pants on fire. And he says there's no truth in him. So when you get this feeling sometimes like, what am I going to do? It didn't come from God because God never asked you for your wisdom about what you can, what, what are you going to do? It doesn't come from him. So when you have these overwhelming feelings or emotions of it's not working or I don't know what I'm going to do, they're not from God. Most of the time they're from a satanic realm. And so when it tells you this thing's not going to work out, there's no way to fix this thing, uh, it's, it's, it's over and done, then know this. If it's the father of lies who's talking about it, he's the what? Father of lies. To everything, there is a reciprocal. To a false, there's a truth. To north, there's a south. To the west, there's an east. So when the father of lies tells you, he rips off one of the big ones and tells you there's no way out of this, guess what? He knows that there's many ways out of it, so he's trying to deceive you. Say, don't look over there, look over here, right? He started all the way back in the Garden of Eden talking to somebody about fruit. Someone said the apple. Well, it didn't say it was an apple. Someone just told you it was an apple. It probably wasn't an apple. He wouldn't have got me to fall over an apple. Bucket of ice cream, I probably would have fell head forward. But <laughs> ice cream, not so much. <laughs> I mean, apple's okay, especially in pie. But however, uh, all he did was deceive. And, and he didn't deceive Adam, he deceived Eve. But who's responsible is what? Adam, because Adam wasn't doing his job. He was to protect, guard, and keep, and he did not do his job concerning what God told him and towards Eve. It is the man's responsibility. Sir, it's your responsibility to make sure your family's in church wherever God told you to be in church. It's not her responsibility. My mother did it because my father wasn't doing it. And there were four of us. And I don't know how she done it because she generally worked two jobs all the time uh, just to put everything together, four kids, and it's, she would rather he be there, but he wasn't there all those years. So she did it. So I don't know how she worked two jobs, got four kids ready, and she did it three times a week. Not once a week. She wasn't a schmo, which is Sunday morning on the Christian. She was three times a week, and we're in there. What you never want to ask my mother is, do we have to go back Wednesday or Sunday night? That would get you, land you in more trouble than you knew how to get out of. We were there all the time. And, uh, and I'm thankful for that because that produced some things in us that stuck with us through an entire lifetime. But the man should be the one who's doing this. The man should be the leadership. They are heirs. We are heirs and co-heirs together with Jesus. Man's not above the woman and the woman's not above the man. No one usurps the authority and one's not greater and one's not lesser. We just have different roles. We walk together. She doesn't walk behind you. She doesn't walk from you. She walks by your side. That's why she got the rib from the side. She's beside you. She took her rib. That's why every time I go to Jim and Nick's, I want ribs. I'm always feeling like I'm missing at least one. So I'm trying to, I guess, always reproduce what I know this lady right here took from me. But that's okay. So ribs are good. If you can't eat meat, that's all right. You stay with your head of cabbage. That's all right. I'll eat your ribs for you. All right, let's move forward. We're not going anywhere like doing this. Miss Debbie sometimes would bring me over to Tuscaloosa. She'd call and Pastor Billings. I don't even know why we're friends because we're so much different. Uh, I'm, he's short. I'm tall. I'm good looking. He's, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, she'd say, well, we've got a lot of things going on. Come over, go, we need to have a fellowship. We'll cook you something good to eat, take you something good to eat. Then I'm gonna, we're going to come back to my house, and, I'm gonna, and I want you to talk. I said, well, what do you want me to say? She said, I want you to be you, because I need to laugh all this stuff off me. 
And I said, well, what you want me to do? She said, just be you, because it'll happen. <laughs> and sometimes we could do it in 30 minutes, sometimes it took four hours. And they were both pretty quiet, but she's, she could get out there. She's a strong woman. Uh, we went to the mountains one time, and, and they, uh, they had a place, they, when they had a motor home, they kept it there <clears throat> for almost a year, and then would go when they could to the motor home. So we were going, and we said, hey, we're not, looks like we're gonna be 30 miles from you all. She says, or no, just five miles or less. And so she said, well, you, you get settled in, then you come here to, gave us the place to get to the park where they were staying. And we went to their mother home and they had the, you know, the slide out and had the little kitchen table. And she said, we're gonna play so-and-so cards. I said, oh yeah, I know how to do that. And find out her rules was different than our rules. And then I ended up liking her rules a lot better because I found out there was grace in her rules and the way I was playing Shanghai Ronnie was with the law. <laughs> And so I said, teach me. But sometimes when people teach you, they forget to tell you certain things that they just know, right? Like everyone knows this. Well, I didn't know it. I knew the game, but I had all new rules. So she forgot to tell me that if I discard something and I put it on, on the, the table and I missed it, that it plays on somebody else's hand, that that's what you call rummy. So whoever says rummy first, you know, gets to pick the card and then I have to get another card out of her hand which gives her less to go out and gives me more. So we're sitting in a motorhome, you know, it's pretty tight quarters and we're sitting in this little booth right there and we've been snacking on our little whatever, having a good time fellowship. It's just really quiet in this little, in this motorhome and I put down this card and I didn't think about it and it played on something and at the top of her lungs this woman screamed, Rummy! I mean, it was just out there. I came out of my skin completely. <laughs> I ran to the Smoky Mountains, passed three bears, came back the next day. It's a wonder that wasn't my last day on earth. So I told her before, if there's any more rules, I want to know them now. Because if I violate one, you, until the game's over, then we'll talk about it. <laughs> so anyway. All right, we've got to move on with the story. We're not doing anything here. So here we go. So he told him to... He, he told him to go, right? Was it a suggestion? No. It was the command. Was there a plan for them to go to the other side? Does God give us things to do that just, he just, you know, he's just trying to create some type of schedule? Or does he have a purpose to it? How many believe that you're, there's a plan to your life? Amen. Now, you may not, may not know what it, all of it is. And it looks like the plan might be like, wow, if I could tell you what my life looks like right now. Well, I, I get that. And... And, uh, you know, it, it might be that I, I don't fully understand what you're going through. Maybe I never have never been through what you've been through, but I've been through something else. It's just different gift wrapping with a different bow, but I've been through it. If you want to match that terrible testimony, see me after service and we'll talk about what has happened in your life and my life. And I promise you, you'll be leaving here and I'll, and I'll hand you Kleenex to go out the door with. But I still have a good testimony. Right? Everything doesn't work out the way I wanted it to. Has it for you? Did everything happen when you thought it would happen? Has everyone done exactly what you suggested they do? Has your children always said, well, all you got to do is thank it, Mom, and I'll, just, I'll make it happen? <laughs> What's the answer to that one? No, I'm not talking about when they're four and you can beat them into submission. I'm talking about when, when, they're, when they're older. <laughs> And they got a mind of their own. You think that's a, that's, a, that's a strange term, mind of their own, right? And they use it sometimes. Have you noticed that? Well, so the testimony changes. 
and people make choices. But the plan is to get us in life what he's already planned for your life from day one, from the very beginning. God knows the path. He knows the plan. He knows the steps. He knows the how-tos. He knows where you're connected. He knows who, who you need to be connected to. And, uh, you're, and, and all we have to do is comply and apply for this thing. We have to admit and submit and commit. If we do, we can transmit. We got to admit that without him, we're nothing, right? Amen. We got we, we to gotta come to that place where we, we can admit it, that, that I need Jesus. And then we got to be able to submit to him and submit to his authority because he's right. Once we understand that, then we can fully commit. And when we do, when we make the commission and we commit to him and to his cause for our life, and then it's the vine and the branch and one together. Now we can transmit his life. So we need to admit. And then we can submit. And then we can commit. And then we can transmit. And the ultimate goal is to be a transmitter. But there's three steps before you transmit. You see what I'm saying? So your, your life is a series of steps. The Bible says the, the steps of the Lord. Well, in life, have you ever noticed that no one ever finishes at the, at the, at the finish line? Or no one ever starts at the finish line. And a lot of times we don't want to start. We don't want to go through the process. We just want the end result. I do. We all do. You know, if you're, if you're going to be a, a compete, you know, in, in, in the gym, you're going to be a, an athlete and you're going to do the weights and you're going to do all that, there's going to be a process to it. Is that right? Is it, can it be painful? Yes. Can it be long and enduring? Can it be sweaty? Can it be hard? Can it be all these things? Will it change your diet? Yes. Will your body ever talk to you in the morning after you've run and after you've worked out and you've done all these things and says, why are you doing this to me? You know, every time I went on a diet, I noticed the first few words of that is die. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, you go somewhere and you, and you know it's going to be another salad and another salad and another salad. Nothing so exciting as carrots and celery, right? But it's all for a purpose, right? Yeah, it's for a purpose. And so there's, there's things in our path that sometimes we don't enjoy the process, but you need to decide to be happy in the journey. Right. Because there's all along the journey, there's things that are part of the big picture. Right. And a lot of times we want to bypass the whole thing and just get to the end. But God doesn't do that with you, so you might as well forget it. God's going to give you an idea in the very beginning. And God's going to give a dream because he's our chosen one. And I promise you, you won't like what I'm about to say, but every dream that God gives you is going to die. To you, it's going to look like it died. He's going to give you a seed, which is an idea. He's going to give you a seed, which is a word. He's going to commit that to your trust, and you're going to plant it, and that seed's going to die. Because you're going to see no fruit from it. You're going to wonder what happened. You're going to wonder, well, I thought you was going to do this. Well, I thought by now this was going to happen. I thought surely this could not have happened to me. You ever been there? Surely this cannot be happening to me. I mean, I'm, I'm with my very dear friend Friday. He says, this is not supposed to be happening. I said, I, I know. After 43 years, this is not supposed to happen. Right. I, I know. But it did happen. So how do we go from there to where we're supposed to go? So it won't all be easy, right? Sometimes there's some hardships along the way. But did you know that the grace of God is bigger than any obstacle in your room? Do you know if it's playing cards, you, you, you got the major card that trumps whatever's in the enemy's hand? 
You just might need to know how to play it and when to play it and where it's at. Yes. Amen. Amen. So life is not just a dress rehearsal. It's life. Amen. And we've got to make hay while the sun shines. You ever heard that phrase? And so we're all going to be, we're all going to be uh, a part of this in the sense of what are we going to do with our life? What are we going to do with the one and only life that he gave us? It's not a redo. It's only a redo in the sense that when we miss the plan that God has to hit reset and we go do it all over again until we get it right while he's, built, while he's building character in us. Character comes out of tests. You, know, you, don't, you don't learn much when everything's going great because that's when you're having a party. When you're not having any plan, everybody in the room loves you and they're all chanting your name. No, one, no one's learning anything. We're just having a party. You are built. You are, your character is built the real you is built during hardship. Amen. And God's not your problem. God is your answer. Amen. God is not bringing you the problem. He's the answer. The dividing line of the whole Bible is not something hard to decide. The, 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 the dividing line of truth is John 10.10. 10. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I didn't. I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Amen. So if you ever just say, I'm confused about the Bible, then let me make it real, real plain to you right now. This is kindergarten, 101. You got it? Now get this. God is good and the devil's bad. Now you understand the Bible. See, you've always wondered how that worked. That's exactly how it works. God is good and the devil's bad. You win, he loses. See, those questions of what am I going to do is not from God, it's from him. I learned a long time ago how to shut his carcass up. You want to know how to shut him up? You, I, I'm not going to tell my good stuff you don't want to know. How many want to know how to shut the devil up? Amen. Talk to him about his future. See, he wants to talk to you about your future. Talk to him about his. He ain't looking too good. Hmm? And when it all starts, there's no end in sight. See, I, I, I skipped over to the end of the book called Revelation. That's right before the book of Maps. Uh-huh. And I find out that, because we think he's so big and bad, when he goes to the bottomless pit for a thousand years, they said they're going to send one angel with one chain. Well, we'd have thought we was going to send 10 million angels down there to, to, to that little rascal. One angel with one chain, and, and God's going to put the spirit of shut up all over him. Oh, yeah. He's going to say, and the devil going to say, he's going to shut up. It's okay to tell the devil shut up now. I know we don't teach our kids that. But, you know, you know we, we should use good language. The only one you can tell to go to hell is the devil. That's his home, right? I mean, that's his home, right? But, you know, the devil is not in hell right now. You know where he's at? He's occupying the earth with you. You say, well, that's what, that's what happened Thursday, and that's what happened. The Bible said he's roaming about in the earth. The devil right now is roaming about in the earth, seeking for someone he may devour. Didn't say he could devour, but he's looking for who he can. How does he know who he can devour? He listens to you. He's good at listening. He's been doing it for centuries. You say, well, what do you mean he listens to me? He listens to your words. He knows what you don't know about words. He knows your words in this book is authority over him. So he waits 
to see your words. He brings certain situations into your life to see how you respond to it. And when you get all the pressure on and this and that, he waits to see how you respond to it. That's how he measures you in the test to know where you are. So when you say, I just can't take this no more, he said, he looks over his shoulder and tells him three months behind me. He said, you hear that? <laughs> Two more times, she's out. Bring it some more, right? He's playing uncle with you, twisting the arm. Hmm? Some said, well, yeah, but I'm at the end of my rope. Well, Jerry Savelle said, if you are tied knot in the end, hang on. <laughs> Wrap it around you. But I'll probably get rope burned. You probably will. Pulling on the pacifier, a little tug, right? Someone told me in the very beginning when I got saved, they didn't know any better. But they said it out of ignorance. They said, if you'll get saved, all your problems will go away. <laughs> and I thought, they will. They said, yeah, just all your problems go away. And I thought, oh, man, sign me up. I mean, that would be a cool deal if all your problems went away. What would you do if you was God today? Don't answer me all that one time. If God let you be God for a few days, how many would change something? How many of you change somebody? How many of you wouldn't work on them slow? <laughs> He's like, buddy, let me, uh, today is going to be my day. And it's going to change your life. <laughs> You're going to say things my way today. Well, that's why we're not God. He wrote the book, we read it, right? So here we are. So what are we going to do? And so here they are in the boat. And uh, is Jesus, once again, he gives the command don't, don't turn here, but Hebrews 1.3 said, All things are by the word of His power. Colossians 1.17 says, By Him all things consist. So that means that God created all the earth, the heaven, the earth, the universe, and everything that's in them. That means He created everything physical, right? He created the land, the water, and the sea, and the boat, the material for the boat. So Jesus is the parent force here. He is the force of all this. He is the creator of all things. And the one, who, the one who created this spoke to them and said, get in the boat and go to the other side. That was his words. Does he waste words? No. Does he just throw things out there? No. Does he put words and throw like mud and see some will stick? No. So his command was what? Get in the boat. Go where? He didn't say go about halfway, and if you don't drown, see if you can make it the other way. Right? No, so the command was go the other side. And you say, well, that might sound a little bit harsh. And I guess it was, because if you do a little bit of study, and they'll say a storm came up. The Amplified said, the Bible said, the storm was of hurricane proportions. Now, I wouldn't want to be in the boat, would you? And, you know, Jesus didn't, didn't, uh, uh, didn't apologize to him. When he came out to the, to the boat that night and came to rescue him, he didn't say, oh, I'm sorry. God, I, 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 I shouldn't have left you alone with this. I mean, what was I thinking? I didn't even check with the, the National Weather Service before I did this. I didn't even check my iPhone to see if it was, this was going to happen. Hmm? Did, did he tell him this is my fault? It's all good? Amen. No. Peter got out of the boat and did something amazing that no human being had ever done. Failed. Jesus put him back in the boat and then he rebuked him. Hey, like that. And all those disciples, while Peter was walking, he was thinking, was thinking to himself, you know, I was just about to do that myself. But they weren't. 
They were doing what most people do, and they were staying in the boat. Why? Because the boat was their security. It was their safety. Even though they were, the fear of death was there, because these are professional sailors, right? This is not someone written a pontoon for the weekend who took a little class. These are professional, professional fishermen and sailors. They knew what storms were. They knew the possibility was going to happen. And they'd already seen Jesus do the miraculous. So why didn't they remember what Jesus has already been doing? And every time he says something, it always comes to pass. Huh? You want to tell you why? Because they saw what they saw and they reverted back to the carnal. They saw what they saw. They felt what they felt. And so they become carnal minded instead of spiritual minded. Why didn't they just do what Jesus would do and rebuke the storm? They could have had what Jesus said they could have had. You, you find the same story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I think the, the Gospel of John tells it this way. When Jesus got in the boat with the Peter, it says in John's um, Gospel, it said that immediately they were at the other side. What does that mean? Well, the historian says at the point that they were from where this happened to the shore, they were two miles away. When Jesus got in the boat with them, after rebuking Peter, he took over and they were immediately at the shore. What do you call that? You call that translation. Hmm? Wouldn't that be cool? Like on 459 or 65, on a Thursday or Friday, you're trying to get to the home and you say, what, what, what are all these people doing here? Well, they're doing what you're doing. Wouldn't it be just cool? You could just say, translate, whatever. Hmm? And so how do we know that the disciples couldn't have done the same thing that Jesus did? Because they'd already been given the command to go to the what? The other side. But they weren't going to the other side. They were going halfway out and the spirit of fear was all over them. We know the storm was there. We know it was a big storm. We know it was a, a terrible conditions, but they forgot what Jesus said. And sometimes we do forget what he says. And... Uh, and as much as we want to, might want to make that a point and give them a pass on this, you say, but these were mere men. But the word that they got to go to the other side wasn't coming from a mere man. These weren't disciples of a mere man. These were the disciples of God himself. Amen. So God might have given you a word. I suppose that he has. Do you remember what he said? Do you remember what he said before it got rough? Do you remember what, what he said to you maybe last week? Or years ago, before the situation changed on you. Well, he hasn't changed his mind. How about that? Amen. So when he reached them, <clears throat> he didn't compliment them and say, Guys, I'm sorry. It's my fault. Once again, I probably should have checked with the weather service. The Bible says, in one translation said he was passing them by. So we don't see this in Matthew's account, but in one of the Gospels it says, They saw him and thought it was a ghost. Now, had they ever saw a ghost? Have you, have you ever read the, the Gospels where there was a ghost sighting? Right. I mean, was there a Ghostbuster story in the Bible we don't know about? So where did they come up with that? It's a ghost. These people have been hanging out with Jesus, and when they get in trouble, they, they, they talk about ghosts. All he's ever talked to them about was the Holy Ghost. They see Jesus walking on the water. Do you, now you realize this, this, the same storm that they were experiencing, he was experiencing? Right? And they said he knew the conditions, so he left them out and he went to them on the water. Now, now think about this. The thing in your life that's bothering you right now, 
the thing in your life that keeps you in the boat, the thing that keeps you from experiencing the plan and the purpose that God has for your life is what would happen if I get out of this boat. That's all that it is. What happens if I leave the known to go to the unknown? What happens if I go back to school? What happens if I marry this person? What happens if I start this business? I mean, we got men in this room who've started businesses before. And there was no one telling them, now, if you'll do this, you have 100% guarantee this is all going to work out. Well, that'd be nice, but it didn't work that way, did it, Mr. Scott? Did, Nathan, it worked away for you. Oh, yeah, we just guarantee this will work. When I started a business, my parents and I, all it took was 100% commitment. In other words, sign over everything you have and sign over all your mortgage and all of your home, hock it up to the nth degree, and then put a second mortgage on top of it, and good luck. And, I, and there was a lot of struggle. I remember a salesman walked in one day, and I call his name, but who knows, he might listen to this teaching one day, so I won't. And he was a salesman and somewhat of a friend of mine. He'd come to sell me something one morning. And he says, he said, what's the business like? I said, well, it hadn't been really good, but it'll change. He said, well, how long, how long has the business been here? I said, six years at that point. He said, you know, I read some other day. He said, if you can't make it five minutes, you need to close the door. He said, well, y'all are just close the door. And I said, shut up. <laughs> I didn't say it that way, but what I'm saying is the same thing we talked about a while ago. Now, that's real easy to say. What's he saying? Uh, well, it, you know, statistically, in five years, if your business doesn't make it, it's not going to make it. So just stop. Just stop. Well, we can stop anytime we wanted to. Just tell the bank, come and get your house and everything that you own. So there was some built incentive to keep going. See what I'm saying? So a lot of times to get out of, boat, out of the boat that you're in, the place that you are alive to go to the other side, there's something called risk involved. Right? I don't, I, I don't care what you're doing. You're, you know, not, not everything in there's, you, you, you understand there's, for me, I, when I look through the Bible, there's 66 books here, but I can't find, find one called the, name, the, 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 the Book of Eric. Some of y'all fortunate enough to, your name, you're, you're named after one of these dudes in here. But I wasn't, right? So I looked at my name, Eric, and it's Norwegian and all that. It just says powerful ruler. And I said, well, Okay. I'm just telling you, I looked it up. That's what they said. <laughs> you know, Eric the Red, the Viking. Oh, I mean, oh, one time somewhere. That kind of thing, you know, but, but, but I'm not in here. So I can't, when I get to a situation in life and I don't know really what to do, I can't say, well, well let me go check the book of Eric real quick. And then, you know, I, no one here has ever done this but me. I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and admit it. I, a long time ago, I did this right here. To know what to do about my life. No one here has ever even thought about doing that. But I did it. I did that one time in, in the very beginning like this. And it said, and Jesus hung himself. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, is anybody else up there who can talk? <laughs> hmm? So I don't recommend that process. I mean, you know, you might get really lucky and you might hit on something really good, you know. And... Uh, well, and you may not. You may be like me. So these disciples, you see, they're, they're identifying with the situation, aren't they? Not their faith. They're identifying with the situation. And he, he, did, he did rebuke them. Why? Because he expected them to do more with what he told them. 
Can I pull the pacifier a little bit? Yes, he expects you to do more than what you're doing with what he gave you. Right. And me. To do more than what we're doing with the word. Yes. If it took more than that, then he gave us more than his word. But he knew it didn't take more, so he gave us his word. Yep. Jesus is the word. All things were created by him. This sea was made. This lake was made by him. See, his, his, his commands are directives. When he commands, he's directing you to do something. Right? right. Y'all with me? Yeah. So when he commands you to do something, gives you instruction to go do something, here, here's what you've got to always know, and I've said it a hundred times. His commands are his directives. But in that, in the command is the empowerment to do it. He doesn't say go the other side if. He says go the other side. So the ability to carry that out is in the command. That whatever it says to you, he said, just do it. Remember Jesus' mother said, whatever he says to you, do it. They have no wine here at this feast. They run out of wine. And she told his disciples, whatever Jesus tells you to do, just do it. Just do it. But we, we don't want to leave the security of the boat. We don't want to leave the known to go to the unknown. We, we, we want change in our life. Everybody in this room wants change in your life somehow. Everybody in, the, in this building, if, you have, if you're in a body, I think we've covered everybody, right? Wants to change something. Would you all agree with that? I mean, it might be a big change or a small change, but you, but, but you want to change something about your life or something about you. It, 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 have I hit the right crowd now? Yes. Something that, if, like I said, if you was God today, it's going to change today. That's why we're not going to be God today. I can think of three things right now. If I was God for 30 minutes, oh, it's going to change. Oh, it's going to change. But it, meant it probably wouldn't be for the better. But I would change it. There was two people who would see things differently in 30 minutes. Just, just that fast. It's like, why didn't I always know this? Well, I, I wasn't God for a day, 30 minutes. And now they know. So here we go. We want change, but are we willing to change? Think about that. We, we want change, but are you willing to change? If you want to change, make a change. If you're not willing to change, quit talking about change. See, decision is the place of power. Hesitation's not. Hesitation can get you killed. Should I go through the yellow light? Shouldn't go through the You're going to get killed that way. Right? There are some people I know never think about, can they make it through the yellow light? They just go. That can be dangerous too, right? They said yellow or red about the same thing. No, it's not, no, it's not about the same thing. They all have a different meaning. So here we are. They were, they were going to the other side, and then something began to happen. Uh, but they should have stepped out on faith. Now let me just take just a minute here to talk about this. And uh, I didn't study this. I just, I'm just using a statement from another minister. Mark Hankins talked about, he said, faith ain't pretty. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> faith ain't pretty. Faith can look like a wrecked up mess sometimes. You can be in the middle of a project using your faith and everything looks like it could go wrong, is going wrong. Everything that you thought wouldn't happen is happening. Everything that you said wouldn't is. It's all going this way and, what, and, and, and you're totally in the word and faith about it and it doesn't look like any of it's coming together. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? 
can I like we say, can I get a witness? <laughs> right? That does that is not the acid test of faith. Faith is what did God say? Through the years, I've had people say, well, I'm going to the doctor and I'm believing God. And what I want you to do is when I agree to go to the doctor, it'll be changed. What I want you to agree with me is that the x-ray will now say this. I said, I'm not going there. I'm not putting my faith in no x-ray. Hmm. That means my faith's got to follow some x-ray machine. I'm going to stay right with the word. Right. He said, who blew my report? Not an x-ray. Right. Brother Hagin had people with x-rays that never made sense. He had a man that fell off seven or eight stories off a construction site, and they said he broke every bone in his body and wanted to die. And Brother Hagin prayed and said, Lord, he can't come. Because if, if I need him, you need him, and I need him. And that man lived. Now, it's a sign and a wonder, this man that lived, because every, every bone in his arms was shattered to pieces. When I mean shattered, there was, uh, Brother Hagin always said it was, when you did an x-ray, uh, his arm was in uh, thousands of pieces. And he's a construction worker. But he was totally healed. And every year they'd make him for insurance purposes and just for, this, and just for the fact that I can't believe this, every year they would make him go get an x-ray. This guy's back to full construction. But every x-ray for the rest of his life his arms and some of his body, the x-ray showed he was shattered in thousands of pieces and he's still climbing six, seven stories. You say, well, what is that? It's a wonder. You think, I wonder how that, how that worked. <laughs> right? It's a sign and a wonder, right? Well, it didn't always work that way, but, but, but the fact is, you know, that, that he is doing the miraculous. And faith is not always going to be pretty. Sometimes you're going to get some, some mess on your hands. I've had to help some people out of some messes. Sometimes you, you, you go down in the ditch. Some of y'all don't want to go down a ditch of people because you're afraid what you're going to get on you. Some of you, like me, have, have wanted to help people more than they wanted help for themselves, and that ain't pretty either. Hmm? Some of y'all grabbed something so big it was too big, <laughs> and we need to know, I'm not ready for this. Start somewhere else. It's like that old guy, you know, two guys was hunting in the woods, and they were you know, hunting something else, but it come across a bear. And he was sitting there and got a hold of that bear, and that bear was doing all he could just to eat him for lunch. And his buddy came up and he said, he said, uh, George, he says, you got a bear? He says, not so much. He says, he said, you want, you want me to help it re uh, wrestle him down? He says, no, I want you to come help me turn him loose. <laughs> help me get away from this thing, right? <laughs> well, sometimes we can get something there, and, and faith don't look pretty right there. What are we going to do when faith doesn't look pretty? We've got to go with the word because the last word that was commanded, the last word commanded is the last word that's doing the stand in your life. God's going to order your life according to his word and what you say about his word. What are you saying about this situation that God said? God watches over his words to perform it. He doesn't watch over your words. God, God is in agreement with, with his word. He's not so much in agreement with you. So you've got to become a student of the word to know what God said, to know what God's meant, to know God's will. Put yourself in alignment with what God said. Then he watches, Jeremiah said, he watches over his word in you to perform the word that you speak out of your mouth. Death and life, sir and madam, is in the power of your tongue. And if you don't like it, it's because of what you're speaking. For out of the abundance of your heart, the Bible says, your mouth will speak and every tree is known by its fruit. You say, well, no, they're judging me. Well, we're not judging you. 
There's a difference between judging. Now, if, if I go say, oh, she did this because she doesn't really care about this. Well, you don't, you don't know what she cares about. You may be right, but you could be very wrong. And therefore, since you're not God, you don't have the ability to, to know anybody's motives of the heart. But, I, but if I walk up to an apple tree and I call it an apple tree because it's got 57 apples on it, guess what, baby? It's an apple tree. I'm not judging that chair to call that a green chair with specks on it because, dead gummit, I'm right. You know why? Because I can see it. it's a green chair with specks on it. How many of y'all agree with that? Now, if I start judging the motive, now if it had feelings and I start judging the motive of the chair, then I'd be wrong. God doesn't give you that ability, and that's not your ministry. You don't have some like, uh, God showed me things about people. No, he doesn't. The devil does. So, so put a big shut up on you. Right? Not y'all. Tapes go places. So here, here we go. We're, we're going to go to the, from that side, to the other side. And don't be surprised what happens in the middle of, let's go. Hmm? You ever started to go off on a vacation and something happened? You ever had your vacation money? Before you had vacation money, the car broke down every, every which way it can? Yep. Or your kid's car broke down? They said, well, they went that vacation. Hmm? The washing machine did ever give you notice that says, I only got two more weeks in me. <laughs> huh? So I'm saying everybody wants to change, but are you willing to change? Everybody in the room can know it's time for a change, but are you willing to change? When, when, when the baby's there, the infant's there, and it does what it does because it can't go to the potty, what does it do? It uses what it has to work with. It has that huggy on there. But after it's used the huggy enough, everybody in the room knows there needs to be a change. Right? And, and, and the daddy, you know, he, he generally tries to find a way to get out of it. Right? Well, I, I, I don't know, you know. Or he puts on his mask. You know, looks like he's a diver. Little powder and all that. Right? But everybody knows there needs to be a change. But we have to implement some change. Yes. Now, these disciples wanted to go out. Now, catch this and we'll close for, the, for this morning because we've got a lot to say out of this. Jesus was going, one translation said he was going, one of the gospels said he was, he was going by them. They saw him. But it almost infers that he was just going to go ahead and pass them. I'm not saying he wasn't going to help them. I believe he was going to go help them. But I believe he wanted to be invited into the situation. He wanted to be asked for help. Right? It didn't work because you can say, well, I'm a Christian. Well, that's not how this works for you. Uh, I, I'm a member of Sam's Club, but that doesn't mean I know what's going on every day, and I'm, they're not asking for my vote. I'm a football fan, but they don't ask me nothing. People are like, man, we won. You did? What, what, what position do you play? <laughs> well, I know I don't play. I see, oh, well, you said we won. Oh, you're a fan. Oh. Well, there's, there's a difference between a, a fan and someone who's in the game. How many practices did you show up for? You in the weight room? Oh, you're not. Oh, well, we didn't really win. They won. And I'm a fan of what they did, right? And most people aren't in the game anyway. Most people are fans. It's always been said this about football. There's 22 people out there who's over-exercised, being yelled at by 100,000 people who's under-exercised. <laughs> right? And a lot of Christians, they don't get the exercise they need. Most Christians, all they're really good for sometimes is jump to conclusions. That's all the exercise they get. Well, probably, you know, it's because you did this. Well, probably because if you'd have done that. Well, you don't know that. 
You don't know that. What they're supposed to get from us is love. Jesus said, they'll know, people will know you're my disciples. And here's, here's the acid test of how the world will know you're my disciple. You want to know the acid test? I don't give my stuff away free. You want to know the acid test of how, know, how the world knows we're a Christian? He said, when they see you loving one another the way I loved you. Right? Hmm? You know, you, you, you know who's a good friend to you? Not just a friend, but a good friend. A good friend will only get in your way when they see you going down. Now, they could be wrong, but if they see you going down, they'll get in your way. A good friend knows everything probably there is to know about you and still likes you. Hmm? Some of the people that you call friends aren't friends. I remember, uh, I remember uh, years ago uh, bailing somebody out of jail, and I said, where's your buddies? What do you mean? I said, you, 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 the, the ones you hung out with. The reason why you're in here. Well, I don't know. I said, well, are they your friends? They, they don't put all this together. Now y'all jumped in together. I want to know where they are. <clears throat> Did they give you a check to we right get you out of here? <laughs> well, no. They, they, well, when, that, when, when, when the blue light went on, they ran. Oh, so you called me. Huh? See, that's not friends. Right? Jesus said, I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Amen. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Which means even when you're wrong. You don't think you're always right, do you? Uh, <clears throat> Michelle and I was counseling a young couple years ago with marriage issues, and, and they're not married today, but, but, but we couldn't get nowhere with it. Because I said, <clears throat> I said, well, look, uh, I want both of you to speak. We're both going to talk about things. I'm going to give you ample time to say what needs to be said. We want to help y'all. And I said, but there's, there's a lot of situations here, and let's just take one by one. And there's some things that's happened, I understand. And uh, I said, you know, people have faults. And she said, well, I don't have any faults. I said, come, come, wait, <laughs> come again? She said, I don't have no faults. I said, you don't have no faults? She said, none. I said, oh, well. I said, is that your story? She said, yeah. I said, oh, well, we through. Because what am I going to do? I mean, so I, I, I read a few scriptures in here. She says, yeah, I, I, I've heard that scripture. I said, you have? She said, yeah, but I, I don't have no faults. Well, if that's her story and she's sticking to it and her belief and she rejects this, rejects this, well, what am I going to do? Well, well, let me go get an encyclopedia see if I can find something. Really? We're, we're, we're through. I was counseled a couple years before that, and, and she'd already made up her mind what to do. And someone said, well, would, they don't have a church. Would you counsel them? I said, sure, I'd be glad to if they don't have a pastor. And uh, so they came, and I know she kept on looking at her watch. And I'm talking about 10 minutes. She kept on going doing this. I, says, I said, dear, do you, are, are we keeping you from something? She says, well, kind of you are. She says, uh, I, I got to get to the attorney to end this thing in five minutes. But she said, go ahead. You got two, three more minutes. I said, well, don't, don't, don't let us keep you there. Hmm? And, and I'm not saying that to explore anything. I didn't give no names. and I don't even remember their names, really. But I'm just saying, in this sense, been years ago, I, I, I'm just saying there's an answer to every problem. Now, now, here's what might amaze you. It won't, but it will. When I say it, it won't amaze you. Because you, you would agree with me that 
In Christ, you can do all things. How many would agree with that? How many think there's, is there any impossibility to God? But when you get a situation that, it, that you're overwhelmed with, sometimes, when you, and I, when I'm saying this, you're just like, well, I don't agree with that. And that's okay. But sometimes we think what overwhelms us overwhelms God. I mean, the bigness of the enormity of the situation is so big that when you come to God, can, can I prove this? And I know this is a pet peeve of mine, and I'm not totally against it. I'm just, I'm against the principle of it. So when we come to God, we come with our petition of names. A better name for it is called a prayer chain. Is there a scripture about that? Only thing you can find in the Old Testament is two is better than one, and that is true. But, but where did we get prayer chain from? It came from the Pentecostals. Right? What's, what's the idea behind it? It's okay. We're not on. Are we on camera? So we, we can just talk. It's just us girls here. <laughs> what is the idea of a prayer chain? More is better. We're going to bombard heaven. Huh? Well, I mean, uh, th this is what you do with your senator, right? Or, or a legislator when you, when you don't agree with certain things or you don't want their vote to be this way. You want them to represent you, right? So when we're going to come to God because so-and-so is not doing well or the doctor says they're not going to live, then we, we collect enough people, right? No, just tell me if I'm wrong. We, 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 we collect a lot of people. We get them to sign up for the cause, right? So that when we come to God, we come as many. To make our cause just and to get his attention. Am I missing anything? Is there anything? I mean, is there anything? I mean, tell me, is there anything I'm missing? Is, is that about the premise of it? Now, God has at least seven redemptive names. You know, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi. And, and they're all different traits or characters of God. One of his name is what? Jehovah Rapha, the what? The Lord, our healer, the Lord, your healer. So when God's name is healer, you don't have to talk him into it. Like if I went in the shop over here in Thorpe where they, where they do hair, do I have to talk y'all into doing hair? Now, if I come in and say, well, which one of y'all give me an oil change? <laughs> right. Or I've come here to get a crown. You know, for a tooth or whatever. Well, that, that's, that's not the business saying, right? But when it comes to the hair, they can do something with it. Color it, make it go away, cut it off. You know, do all kinds of style it, wash it, permit, unpermit. I don't know. They, they do all of it. More I want done, the more expensive it is. They for it. Right? Yeah. I had a girl come my head day, and, she, I, and I was just kidding when I said, I'm thinking about just shaving off and going bald. She said, don't do that. I said, why? She said, it won't look good on me. I said, you don't care. I said, you just know it ends the money. She said, she laughed. She said, you know, that's right. <laughs> I said, you don't even know my name. You don't care about that. <laughs> it's about the money. She said, it's about the money. I said, that's all right, too, because we got a lot of it. They hit the right crowd? So sometimes we feel like he is overwhelmed at the same place we're overwhelmed. We'll finish right here. He's not. Now, what are they afraid of? The storm. Right? 
The storm consists of what? Mostly H2O, water. And he comes, he comes to them walking on it. He's walking on, he's walking on what they're terrified of. He's walking on top of what they are absolutely bazonkers about. Hmm? They didn't parachute him down, right? He wasn't hang gliding. He was walking on, to on top of what they thought was the end of their situation. Whatever you think is so big in your life that you're not even sure, you know, that if you ask God to do it, it caused the, the heaven lights to blink and, and throw a fuse or breaker, click, whatever. God's already walked on top of it in the name of Jesus. Huh? Whether that's in the, the family room or the financial room or any room. So he'd already given him a word like he's given you a word. His word was to come. Come means get out of that place. Come means get out of the boat. Come means just start to do a redo, a start over. It's, it, it's a new place. It's a higher place. It's a higher realm. It's the lofty idea. It's the big idea. Come out of the comfortable place. Come out of the secure place. Come out of the place that you know everything about. Come into a place of unknown to you but not unknown to me. Come walk on something that you never thought about mastering that I've already mastered for you. Come. It's, it's an invitation for coming to hold his hand as he goes with you. Now, I... I don't criticize. Some people criticize the other people in the boat because they didn't get out. I don't. There's something about staying with the ship too, I guess. There's something about staying steady in the boat when everybody runs. It takes a certain amount of faith to, to stay in the boat when there is a storm. But there's a higher place to go to, and that's all I'm talking about, the higher place. The higher place is he, he, they could have stayed in the boat with the rest of them. They were all in there. One saw Jesus doing something that he wanted to do. One wanted to say, he walks on water, I want to walk on water. One wants to enter into the life of the supernatural. And did Jesus rebuke him for asking him? Did Jesus rebuke Peter saying, how dare you ask me? Can you walk on water? Don't you know that I'm God? Did he do that? Huh? What did Jesus ask him? Or what did they ask Jesus? He said, if that's you, bid me come. That's the question, right? If it's you, let me come. What was Jesus going to say? <laughs> no, it, it ain't me. I'm, so, I'm a ghost. <laughs> he said, if it's you, let me come. He said, well, it's me. Come on, right? And they said, and Peter walked. Now, we, we, we know that he sank when he took his eyes off Jesus. And, he, and the Bible said he saw the what? The waves and the wind. Well, he saw the results of the wind, saw the waves. Well, what's that got to do with anything? You mean he could walk on water if it hadn't been waves or wind? No, he saw, he saw the natural part out here and began, his mind began to say, the carnal mind says, you're you a human, you can't walk on water. This is, do you see these waves, this storm? Who do you think you are? And when he took his eyes off Jesus and off the word come and he put himself back in his natural mind, that which he was able to do, he's no longer able to do, and he begins to sink. Jesus picked him right up. People say, well, I'm afraid if I just go do what's in my heart and I believe God's telling me to do it, but I believe if I do, I'll fall. We mean like Peter? Well, yeah. Well, did, did you notice what Jesus did? He picked him up. You said, well, I, 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 I'm afraid I'll, 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 I'll lose my way. He'll find you. Hmm? He'll come. He'll pick you up. Jesus picked him up. So he walked out of the boat, sank. 
Jesus picked him back up, and they both don't, I mean, I'm assuming they both walked back to the boat, right, and got in the boat. I mean, I, I didn't read it to where Jesus was so mad at Peter. He's like, come on, that's good, that's good. Come on, you know, when your, when your baby started walking, you backed up a little bit. My mother probably used m and so She's like, come on, baby. <laughs> but you come. But then he sank, right? Well, then Jesus picked him back up and they walked, right? Yes. You think Jesus grabbed him by the hair of the head and said, you scummy thing, I'll tell you what I told you to walk. You think he dragged him by the hair of the head of the beard and threw him in the boat? No, he's not going to do that to us either. So there's a certain amount of admiration you can have for someone who stayed in the boat. But the higher realm was to be, let's get out of the boat, go somewhere we've never been before. Are you ready to do something like that? All right. Amen. Well, I'm glad I came and I'm glad you came. You know, something about getting in the boat and getting out of the boat means you got to get wet. Hmm. So wherever you are in the boat, I'm going, to do my, I'm going to do my best. I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes I don't tell it. I just do it to you. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I'm going to do my best to get you out of the boat. And if I can't get you out of the boat, I'm going to do my best to just go ahead and go underneath, swim underneath, and turn the boat over. <laughs> Remember that old song? Rock the boat, don't turn the boat over. Rock the boat. Let's break out into my singing ministry. Shh. <laughs> 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 huh? I think it's time for... To, to capsize the boat. Amen. Albert Willis always said it this way. I don't know if he's, he's in heaven or he's, or, he's, or he's gone to heaven. I don't know if he's in heaven or on earth. Albert Willis should say it this way. I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat rider any day of the week. I'd rather attempt to do something great and didn't accomplish it than to stay there and do nothing the rest of my life, never taking a risk. Amen. Well, Wednesday, uh, we will have service. I'm going to go there, come back, and, uh, but we'll have service. And if you are interested in being uh, at, the, uh, at the service there for Miss Debbie, uh, let us know. Michelle and I can give you the, the address and the directions. Have a big day. God bless you.